Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and we have another great episode for you this week. I had the opportunity to speak with church communications expert, Mark McDonald. Now, Mark has an impressive resume. 32 plus years of advertising, communication, design, and writing. He served as the senior creative director at one of Eastern Canada's largest ad agencies. He's been a creative director and a brand strategist for churches for nearly 30 years. He's won numerous awards in branding and communications. He speaks to churches and ministry leaders at conferences across the nation. Uh, he's, he's a Bible teacher. He's an encourager to pastors and ministry leaders. Um, recently, he released his best-selling book, be known for something, reconnect with community by revitalizing your church's reputation. You'll want to check this book out. Uh, but most recently, Mark has become the strategic communication catalyst for the Florida Baptist Convention. But as impressive as his resume is, I think the most impressive thing about Mark is his absolute dedication to improving church communication strategy so more people will be reached with the life-transforming hope of Jesus Christ. Friends, you will surely learn a lot on this week's episode. Mark has some great insights for us, including why pastors need to understand the twofold nature of connecting with people. Uh, He talks about the importance of communicating what your church is really all about and how to balance the tension between what is happening inside of your church walls and what you're being called to do outside of your church walls. So I invite you to join me in my discussion with Mark McDonald. Mark, it is so good to have you with us on the Church Leaders Podcast. Very excited to uh, be sitting down. Um, You've got some very timely information for pastors and church leaders, and uh, I really believe that this is something that's going to be of great value to them. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. Um, You're you're very welcome. And, And as we begin to wrestle with the church as a whole, we, we do recognize the church is currently in decline. I mean, several studies have, have demonstrated this. There are fewer people in worship attendance. There seems to be less commitment to the church. As you, Mark, as you've traveled the country, have you spoken to pastors across the country, do you sense there's a lot of this sort of sticking our heads in the sand when it comes to decline? Or, or how are pastors kind of kind of approaching this? You know, it's interesting because it, it is kind of both ways. Um, oftentimes I'll talk to pastors, they have that shell shock look and they won't admit to it, but they, they're all feeling the pressure. I think that, you know, some of the studies are 80%, 90% of the churches that are, that are in decline or stagnation. And, and I think that even those churches who are just sensing it because people are pulling back from regular attendance, whatever that means now. I think that that churches have got to start realizing, okay, we can we can talk about this. This this is a family issue. Let's talk about it among the family. And and let's try to figure out what we can do differently because if we continue what we've been doing, we're going to continue to decline. And and that's why essentially I wrote the book to say, okay, we've got to figure out what we need to be known for in order to make sure that our community actually pays attention to us. Yeah, and you're really inviting pastors and church leaders to really enter into this conversation um, with, with your new book, Be Known for Something. 
you're really kind of teeing up that conversation and encouraging this dialogue to happen around this idea of connecting with our communities and what does that mean for for a church and we've talked a lot about you know we've heard and there've been tons of books published about reaching into our communities and and those types of things and yet you seem to approach this from a bit of a different direction i mean obviously with your experience as a brand strategist and director of communications you've been a vp of marketing um and and you live in, in the church world as well. So you're able to really bridge these these concepts together. I noticed in your book, Be Known for Something, you said this. You said, God wants you to be known for seeking his will and reaching your community as effectively as possible. Now, I would say every single pastor, every church leader who's, who's listening today, they say exactly that, you know, we know that God wants us to be known for, for seeking his will, for chasing after him, for reaching our community, for being effective as we absolutely can in the time we have. You go on to say this, though. You say, either you'll establish your ministry's reputation with God's direction or life will run you. Can you explain what you mean? How can life run you? Well, and I and I think that every pastor is going, yeah, life kind of runs me sometimes. Um, I think that, you know, in communications and in marketing, the, the one thing that I've realized is that, you know, everything rises and falls. Good communication rises and falls on understanding your audience. And oftentimes we say, well, yeah, I understand my audience. But when I'm talking to pastors, oftentimes you know, when I say, so describe your audience, they describe their congregation rather than their community. And I think that what we need to do is, you know, oftentimes the congregation is driving us. So the congregation wants this, the congregation wants that. How come the website doesn't say this? How come we don't have this event? How come we don't have that ministry? And because we hear that on a regular basis and we're we're oftentimes looking eye to eye with them on Sunday morning, we oftentimes get to a point where we're trying to keep our congregations happy. But what we need to realize is that our audience is twofold. We have the congregation and then we have our community. You know, it used to be that our, our communities used to kind of uh, allow a church to kind of to grow up from it. You know, the little house in the prairie days when people would cluster together and then eventually say, well, we need a church. We need somebody for spiritual guidance. So the church would come up out of the community. But now we have these congregation centric uh, entities that that are so conscious of who they are as a congregation that they've lost sight of the the community. And what I'm saying is we've got to start reconnecting back with our community and understanding what they're looking for. And, and yes, we have to make sure our congregations are happy, but together, if the, it's like a big Venn diagram, you have, you know, what your congregation and what you do really well as a, as a ministry, um, and then you have what your community is looking for and and you have to kind of figure out where those circles intersect because it's where those circles intersect. That's where true engagement needs to happen in your church. That's where all the communication needs to happen. And and oftentimes it's just about controlling 
the messaging so that the community will hear it and say, whoa, I didn't know that a church would even offer that, but I certainly need that. Because right now, what we're doing is we're talking to our congregations all the time. We think everyone understands. And instead of having the community interested, what they're hearing is that it sounds like it's just a closed group of people and we don't feel like we'd have any need of you at all. That's interesting, and that raises a, a question, I think. How do you determine really, one, what your church is is good at and what your church is doing well, and secondly, what your community needs? Practically speaking, how do you, how do you process through that? Well, uh, that's pretty much what the book deals with. It's figuring out, so, so who are you as a congregation? What are you currently known for? What's your reputation outside of your walls? But then we also want to look at who you are inside of the walls so that when people uh, actually hear a message that would compel them to come in and experience what you're offering, uh, they have to rationalize in their mind Okay, so what are you somewhat known for in their minds versus what you do really well? Um, so, so we really we deal with it. Um, you know, I have a team of people who, who who look at churches, and we take a look at so internally, what do you do extremely well? And and it doesn't take very very long to to figure out that because um, we tend to talk really well inside the church. So we see, you know, um, the ministries that are are well attended. People like talking about them. When we talk to focus groups where we we get groups of uh, different demographics in your church, and we start talking to them. It, it almost always comes up really quickly, the ministries that you do extremely well. But you have to make sure that you look outside of your church. And we would we would recommend that every church knows what their reach area is. And that reach area is essentially just uh, figuring out, okay, so where are your family units coming from now in your community? Plot them on a map. Figure out, so where does the average person come from? And of course, you'll have those outliers that are, you know, that drive quite a ways in. But for the most part, you can start seeing a polygon shape or, or radius or, you know, just an area where the majority of people come from. And, and thankfully, birds of a feather do still flock together. So if somebody drives in from a certain area outside of your church, there's people around them that look and think and talk pretty much just like those people. So if you appeal to what they need, then you probably have other people in, in that community that um, will, will want to drive in to see you. So as soon as you determine that reach area, then I would strongly urge you to, to try to get a good demographic study of that area. And that can be done as simply as just checking with your Chamber of Commerce to see what they have as information. You can Google. You can also, there's uh, companies like ours or, or other companies that do it that uh, you've just got to figure out. So what is it that they're waking up with every morning that is on their minds that they think, you know what, I, I need help with this. And if we can actually talk to them and engage with them on that temporal level, 
then we can make the shift and start talking to them on the spiritual level. Now, that that's good. Now, it sounds like there is this intentional way of trying to help shift people's perception of who the church is. So what are people generally perceiving when it comes to the church in their communities? The problem is, is that there's there's been worldwide perception studies done of what do you think when you hear church? And, and interestingly enough, if you back up in those studies, they ask also, what do you think of Jesus? And and Jesus gets incredibly high rating. I mean, perception-wise, people think he's pretty cool. This is global. And so when you, you think, I mean, this isn't just in, in the areas where Christianity reigns. I mean, even where Christianity doesn't reign, people know the name Jesus and they say, wow, you know, he's, he's somebody that we should probably listen to. We should follow him. And, and so, you know, when, when you think about that in the perception and the high perception, then when they shift and then they say, so what do you think of church? And almost always the numbers are extremely low. People question whether the church is doing the right thing. A lot of millennials think the church just feels too much like a business now. Uh, and, and so all of these perceptions of, of church, uh, if you want to be known for being a church in your community, you're digging yourself out of a hole. And, and in, in you know, uh, secular classic marketing terms, what we have here is we have a distribution problem. We have a great product in Jesus Christ, but we have an awful way of delivering it. And, and so what we need to do is we need to figure out, okay, if you're going to be a church in your, in your neighborhood, in your reach area, you have to start controlling what you're saying and, and speak directly to the people who are outside of your church in such a way that both inside of the church, the congregation, and the community would respond to it. So what can we do, practically speaking, as pastors, as church leaders, to address this somewhat negative perception of church and try to get it closer to the positive perception of, of Jesus? Well, I mean, there's so many stories in, in Scripture where this happens, but you know, Jesus, it says that he he separated himself from the disciples. He, he walked a great distance, sat down in a place where he knew that someone with need would be able to find him at this well. And I mean, I love the fact that he had to sit there and wait because he knew what a great place to sit and wait because every person who's coming along, I'm going to know what their needs are. So, so here's this woman that comes along and, you know, I can, I can try to put myself in Jesus's shoes because I love when someone walks up to me or sits next to me on a flight, I love trying to share the love of Christ with them. And in some sense, I can just imagine Jesus sees this woman walking up and instantly it's like in his mind, he knows everything about her and all of her spiritual needs and how she needs a savior and she needs to know the way. So 
as as a ministry leader, we quickly think, so he should have gotten up and started railing on her. I mean, there are so many things that he could have talked to her about. But what did he talk to her about? He talked to her about water. And he started to engage with her because it just made sense. Here she is. She's come because she's thirsty. She needs water. And Jesus engages with her with water. And a lot of our churches, we need to start figuring out what is it that people are waking up in the morning and it's it's a constant nagging concern. What are the what are the pains in their lives? What are the things that that are just a perceived need that are very prevalent in your reach area? And and as a church, you have got to start engaging with them on that level. And and then we have these, you know, two types of churches. We have some churches that go, ah, it's not it's more important to talk to them spiritually. Then we have other churches that say, you know what? We speak to their needs all the time. We have this ministry and that ministry, and we give them and do all of this stuff. But what I'm finding is as I'm talking to people in the in the communities, they know where they can get the free stuff. But they haven't connected the message of what the church is engaging with them um, on that temporal level to anything spiritual. And I think that that's where the breakdown oftentimes happens. Jesus talked to her about water, but it didn't take very long before he said, but woman, what if I could give you water that you never thirst again? And again, he talks to her in this you know, communication thread called water. He's talking to her on a temporal level and then he makes that slight turn and connects the temporal thread to the spiritual thread. And of course she goes, well, yes, I, I would love to hear more. And that's where we as a church, we've got to figure out what is the temporal thread that connects us to our community and then what we do as a church is we have to train our people in our services to know this is what we're all about. This is our temporal thread. But here's how we connect our temporal thread to the scarlet thread of Jesus Christ. Wow. In your book, you, you talk a lot about this thread principle. Can you just kind of walk us through that a little more deeply so we can get a better understanding of what you mean by that thread? Yes. The, anyone who's on social media, I'm a I'm a comment watcher. I, I love reading comments as I go down. Now that I've released this book, I've realized I can't look at all comments anymore <laughs> because they're about me. But, you know, we all know what it means to be part of a thread. It's somebody throws out a concept and then everyone talks about it. And then there's that random person who who goes off topic and and like throws out something that is like everyone just looks and thinks uh, that's not part of the thread. So everyone just ignores them. Well, this concept of, of a thread, I mean, it comes from Scripture. You know, the 66 books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, they're, they're strongly connected because of Jesus's blood that's been drizzled from, from the beginning to the end. No matter where you you stop, whether it's on a book or a chapter or a verse, you can see the scarlet thread that that unites all of the scriptures. And, and that's what makes it come alive. 
every book is so totally different than the other books, but yet knowing how it connects to Jesus and that scarlet thread uh, creates some excitement in, in trying to you know delve in a little bit deeper. How does this connect? Well, as churches, we need to figure out we have lots and lots and lots of ministries and events and things that you do, but you've got to figure out Okay, so what is the thread that will connect to your community? But how does that thread then unite all of our different ministries so that every ministry then supports the thread so that the community will will start to identify you by that thread? Instead, what we oftentimes have in churches is we have all these separate ministries who are all saying different things and they're it's like that random comment that gets thrown in there. People go, I don't understand how that's even part of that church. So what ends up happening is that all of these ministries, they create ministry silos and they all start competing. And there's so many different messages and it just adds to marketing noise that comes from your church. So what people see is, yeah, that's that church that does a whole bunch of stuff. And instead, we need to figure out how do people identify our church with the, the temporal thread that the, the community would actually respond to. So it sounds like this, that this idea of, of helping your church be known for something kind of falls into this idea of, of maybe even simplifying or, or focusing in or refining a lot of what you're already doing. How does that idea kind of revolve around this? be known for something? Is it kind of coming in on one one core concept for the church in the community? It really is. And, and every pastor who's listening needs to know that oftentimes we're doing far too much stuff. And, and we, we innately kind of feel like we're doing it. And, and we think that, you know, is that really necessary or is that really necessary? And some of the ministries and and, and things that you're doing, you know, people aren't even responding to it, but it's hard to get rid of stuff, uh, especially in the church. And, and what the, the thread principle, be known for something, God's placed you supernaturally for a reason into your community. And, and God wants you to know them and love them and speak into their needs. And so once you've identified that thread, what we recommend is that start listing all of your ministries, all the things that you do, and start identifying how does that connect with our thread? How can we alter the the communication, the language, the words that are attached to that ministry so that it actually does connect to the thread? And in order to effectively be known for something, you have to have that control. And, and, and oftentimes churches are way out of control. And what we're saying is rein in, simplify your message to a message and, and really become known for it. And, and it's probably a good time to jump off, you know, the other perceived uh, notion of what church is all about is that we're known for what we're against more than what we're for. And, and that's why it's be known for something. So we have to 
we have to switch out the language, you know, the switch out the perception, the reputation that we have as a as a church is, oh yeah, that's the church that's against that, and they don't believe in this, and they don't really like that, and that business down the road, they can't stand it, and it's all these things that we're against. And what we want to do is we want to come up with one thing, that something that we can really be for and that the community would say, you know what, they're doing a great job and they're helping a lot of people on that one thread. And the more we push it, the more it will start squashing down that bad reputation that we have as a church. It sounds like this idea of of helping your church be known for something is going to you know, kind of means that a lot of change will probably have to take place. Um, I, I was thinking back to earlier in our conversation, we we're talking about those two communities. You have your congregation um, that you're working with, and then the the neighborhood in which your church is is located. and And a lot of times, the people inside your congregation are battling for something that's much different than than what you need to be for the people outside your congregation. So, so I'm thinking through pastors who might be processing through this, thinking of, wow, this is going to mean some changes will have to take place. How do we encourage our people, our congregations, to embrace this type of change? Well, if, if you continue to do what you have always done, you're going to get the same results. And oftentimes what I'm seeing in churches is that that shell-shocked look of realization that we're not headed in the right direction. We're barely holding our own. We have to do something different. What I'm saying is, yes, let's look at our communities. Let's figure out how can we reach our communities for Jesus Christ as he told us to and simplify at the same time. I mean, it's it's a win-win there, there's really no downside to this other than you're going to have to change a little bit. But I also want to make sure that I'm really clear that a church can't just become known for something that they've never done before. So when we talk about change, this is the best kind of change ever. You're getting rid of the things that aren't really working anyway. So what we want you to do is see, okay, you you have attracted some people from your community. So obviously you're doing some things well. Start focusing on those. And what we do in our process when we work with the church is that we want to make sure that we don't break that. We try to figure out what is it that you've done extremely well. Let's talk to the people within the church we, with those focus groups and find out what is it that you're doing really well and why were you attracted to it and knowing the demographics of your community i i oftentimes it's like it just jumps out of the the research that there's a lot of people who would certainly love to understand that concept and and the same things that that drew people in from your community on a maybe more spiritual level you can adapt it so that you're talking to them on a temporal level, and then it's really easy to make the shift towards Jesus Christ. And what I've found is that most people want to tell the world about Jesus Christ, but they have absolutely no idea how. Where I've also found in secular marketing that we love sharing things that we love. And 
oftentimes I'll, I know people, you know, <laughs> that, that will share their new app that they got on their phone, but they won't share the best solution that every person needs. And that's Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah. And, and what we need to do is we need to make sure that we give our congregations a temporal thread so that they can engage. So, you know, to, to throw out an idea, imagine if you look demographically at your, at your community and you realize that people are really struggling with marriage. Well, your thread could be healthy marriages. How do we provide healthy marriages into our community? Well, if somebody walks up to me, you know, at the water cooler and, and they say, you know what, my wife kicked me out over the weekend and I, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. And then they look at me and say, um, you know, I got to try something different. You go to church, right? And imagine if, if somebody from your congregation could say, you know what, I, struggle with our marriage, but our church helps us figure out how to grow a healthy marriage. In fact, you don't even have to come to church. You go to our website and you can download the five tips that every husband needs to do this week in order to strengthen their marriage. Or if if you've been kicked out, I mean, we actually have tip sheets on what to do if your marriage has failed. How do you get your wife back? How do you figure out what the next steps are. And that's the way your thread can work. It's not, you know, gone are the days where people will invite someone to come to church and just because they've been invited, they're going to arrive. Instead, we need to have that buffer of making sure that the, the right content, that thread is, is unfolding on your website so that somebody can engage with you on a website level or a social media level and they might never come to church for for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then all of a sudden, they've been engaging with you in, in the information that you have on your website. And just one day, God's going to prick their hearts and they're going to say, I just need to go. I just need to go and, and find out who these people are that just love on me. And, and that's where the thread comes to life. And that's how the thread can get connected to Christ. This uh, this book that I mean that's that's good stuff and and I just really see how this idea of building these bridges and, and developing these connection points is invaluable for the church and and what I love about the book referring back to your book is that you have these discussion questions it seems to naturally lend itself to a dialogue and kind of wrestling through some things as a church uh, did you write this book to be um, read like in a group setting or what was the intent there? Absolutely. It's, it's very, very difficult for uh, any one person in your church, even if you're the senior pastor to decide this. So what are we going to become known for? And let's just do it. Instead, um, what I realized as I was going through it, I just, I started thinking, okay, this has to be a greater team. So I, I've written this book so that it's, you know, it's an easy to read and easy to lead book, but it's also a great team read book. So when you go through each of the chapters at the end of every chapter, I ask some specific questions to say, OK, you've nodded all the way through this chapter. You've gone. Uh huh. Yeah, we need to do that. We need to do that. 
okay, before you move on to the next chapter, here are some real pivotal questions that you have to answer as a church in order to figure out where we're at right now and in order to be able to move on to the next chapter. And what I've found is that a lot of the pastors who are team reading it as they go through it, they've started to realize, okay, we say these things, but I don't know that we've ever discussed them out loud. So let's start discussing these things out loud. And what it can do is it can bring your ministries to life. And it can also start tearing down those ministry silos so that every person on your ministry team really starts to to work for the farm rather than for the individual silo. We have to figure out why are all of our ministries part of our church and and they all have to support our church or else it'll it'll eventually destroy the farm. I certainly appreciate uh, the fact that you took the time to write this book and, and make it available to, to church leaders because I really believe this is a conversation that um, in our time, every church needs to to consider. Every church needs to to address and begin going through this discovery process. So, Mark, I just certainly appreciate you being with us today on the Church Leaders Podcast. And if people want to connect with you, Mark, how can they best connect with you? For sure. I mean, on most social mediums, I'm uh, MarkMac1023. MarkMac1023, that's my birthday. And uh, and then if, uh, if you go to Facebook, um, I have a Facebook author page that I would love for them to follow. And then also, um, if you just go to beknownbook.com, it'll tell you a little bit more information about the book, but it'll also, uh, there's, there's some uh, downloading tip sheets and eBooks and everything that I just talked about, we do it on our, our website. We really want to engage with our greater community as well. Awesome, Mark. And in, in this, this book, I, I've had the opportunity to read through it, and it's so practical. And I really, really believe that's going to be one of these tools that churches can just pick up and jump into and begin the conversation with their team, with their staff, and uh, really move in a direction where they have the opportunity to really connect with their communities and not just be, you know, kind of competing with the church down the road, but churches together uh, across cities will have the opportunity to really begin to make an impact for the kingdom um, on those who, who, are, who are not yet convinced of, of Christ as Lord. So thank you so much for this. Um, again, it's a, it's a timely book that I really think that our, our churches need and pastors are going to learn much from. So thank you for being with us today. We certainly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule and for providing uh, this, this information and these insights. Well, thank you, Jason. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Every week, as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders podcast, and if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they can benefit uh, from these interviews as well. And again, we thank you in advance. If you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.